going on, everyone? And thank you for tuning in to this episode number 26 of the Barbell CEO Podcast. And today we're going to talk all about building muscle. We're going to talk about the rep ranges that I find to be the most beneficial for beginners, intermediates, and advanced. Um, and then we're also going to talk about different ways that you can build muscle with maybe weights at home or with the things you're doing right now, but just adding a couple advanced techniques to take your training to the next level without adding a bunch of extra training time, extra training stress. And these are big things uh, during a bulking cycle or really any cycle you can use to really boost those, those muscle growth and keep your capacity going even as you progress as, a, as an advanced lifter. Uh, these things are something that I've been doing now for the past year. Um, and if you follow me on social media at Mike J. Dewar, um, I'm pretty happy with the results I've gotten uh, in terms of my how my eating has changed, but really how it's fueled me in the gym to really put on a good amount of muscle size and also still be able to promote uh, muscle growth and strength gains, and then also do it while staying healthy and feeling good about it. So that's what we're going to jump into today. Before we get started, I do want to make a couple quick notes about my show sponsors. Um, first and foremost, uh, guys, if you guys uh, are looking for some of the best training gear, whether that's shorts, tanks, uh, pants, anything, I cannot recommend uh, higher 10,000 training gear. Uh, their stuff's durable, it's breathable, it's lightweight. Everything that they make, uh, I love because you, you basically can customize a little bit. You can choose liner, no liner, you can choose your length, you can choose your color, you can choose the type of fit you want in a short. Uh, it's very straightforward. They offer a couple key products. I um, mean, you guys can check that out. I'll put it in the show notes here, but you can also just go uh, right to their website, uh, 10,000. You can check it out there. And at the checkout, if you use the Barbell CEO, you can use uh, that and save 15% off uh, everything there. And then obviously, you know, those kickbacks help to support the show and what we do with this. Um, another one here, guys, again, these are all about muscle building looking over here because I have my board on what I want to talk about. And muscle building comes down to also being able to eat enough food to build that muscle. So calories, macronutrients, all that is important. And Renaissance Periodization has come up with an RP diet app. And this has probably hands down been the best thing that I have uh, put into my training regimen because nutrition is part of that. And it's really just changed the way I see my nutrition. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who studied this, and you know, a master's degree. I've been doing this for over 10 years. I do this professionally. I'm, I'm always doing things. And they have found a way uh, to not only help me as an advanced lifter squeak out new progress, but also help beginners, clients of mine who have lost 50, 60 pounds during this method and kept it off. So I highly recommend whatever level you're at, if you're trying to get better at nutrition, trying to lose a couple pounds, if you're trying to transform your body, or for somebody who's just trying to you know, put on 10 pounds of muscle mass in the next year, whatever it is, check it out. You guys can go to uh, rp.app slash j2fit and you guys can uh, save some cash on that. It's a monthly app. And I also have some YouTube videos out there that you guys can check out on YouTube, uh, j2fit YouTube. So Guys, check that out. It's great. It's macro based. Uh, it's basically like going to Chipotle and you, you you step one, you choose your protein. Step two, you choose your, you know, your fat and then your carb. You build your custom meals. Nothing's really off limits. Um, obviously, you'll start to learn how to budget your foods, but it's a great app. Um, and then 
Lastly, I want to give a shout out to my uh, supplement sponsor, NF uh, Sports. What they do there, I'm a big fan. I don't take a lot of supplements. The ones that I do, though, I take creatine and I take whey protein. Um, and they have some great protein there. Uh, I like their Belgian chocolate, real shavings of chocolate in there. It gives a good texture, a good flavor. Uh, they also have a great vanilla and then cafe mocha. Um, but all of their stuff is, is clean. It doesn't have a bunch of artificial uh, sweeteners. It doesn't have any of any of that. So I choose them because their ingredient list is short. I know that it's a clean product. It's certified. And then I also use the creatine, uh, just straight creatine monohydrate. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of doing a bunch of like other things, but creatine repeatedly has shown as well as uh, supplemental protein and supplemental carbs, as well as caffeine to be really the four big things that you can really use in your own diet to really improve your performance in the gym, recovery, and build some muscle. So those are my announcements for the show notes. So we're actually going to jump in now to number 26, the podcast here, talking all about muscle building, advanced techniques, and my general uh, recommendations for beginners, intermediates, and advanced. All right. So first, actually, I'm going to get some coffee here because I've been reeling here for about five minutes. And uh, yeah, we're sitting here and I, you know, I get a lot of questions on social media because I, I am very proud of what I've accomplished in the past year. And I wanted to share some things that I've learned and some things that I've integrated in my own training. Now, if for those of you who don't know, I I do uh, still compete in Olympic weightlifting, snatch, clean and jerk. Um, I really am always trying to progress there. Uh, strength is always an issue of mine, so I'm always throttling down. But I have started integrating periods in my training, which uh, I, I suggest most people probably should if they're having issues, uh, kind of they're always pushing the strength throttle, to really take time, whether it's two, three months, and really devote yourself to building muscle. Building muscle is a great way to not only add new raw material for then you can transition into strength phases, but it really takes you out of that strength phase uh, kind of desensitize you to a lot of that stuff, let your neural system recover, let your hormonal system recover because that is a lot of adrenal work. And then you can really, you know, for me, I, I like to put this after competition phases. I've always competed before. Uh, it's just a stressful time uh, mentally and, you know, you can get a little washed out at times. So it's a great to just kind of get in there, chase the muscle pump, you know, use some, you know, moderate loads, not be so having to, I have to move 90% for X amount of reps today, kind of hit some rep ranges, you go by feel a little more, um, offers you a little more flexibility in, in, in terms of what you can do in the program, whether it's different exercises, different movements, you can kind of heal up injuries. So that's what I like to do, um, you know, probably two to four months out of the year. And then from there, I transition into like a, a two month strength block. And then if I have a competition coming up, I'll prep for that, uh, you know, three or four weeks. But if not, I'll probably recycle back down and do another block of, of more base and hypertrophy work. So uh, that's kind of how I would use these. Now, that's not to say you can't use these techniques that I'm going to talk about, you know, like rest pauses and and different things and, and heavy RM and drop offsets um, in a strength phase. We have to be aware that when you're training strength, it's much more neural adaptations. It's a lot of uh, adrenal stress like that. So we don't want to go too crazy overboard because we don't want our accessories to overwhelm the uh, the amount of work and quality work and that high intensity work that we can do because, you know, in a sport like weightlifting or powerlifting or even strongman, your, your top end strength and, and, and output and how you can express your strength, meaning RMs, one RMs, uh, is really the name of the game. So 
you want to make sure that you're, you're preparing yourself for that. So doing too much accessory work at the wrong time could actually be impeding yourself. And that's why I suggest having some phasic training. Um, so we're going to go into just kind of a general overview of the rep ranges that I like to use and kind of why I use them when I use them. So if you can imagine like a spectrum of reps, when we look at the spectrum of reps, what we have like a one rep max, and then let's call it like a 25 rep max. Now they're both going to maxes. So I want to first be clear when we, when I program like 12 to 15 reps, I'm not telling my individual to lift a light weight that they probably could get 30 with if they really, really had to. I want them to be working with a weight that is 12 to 15 reps to near failure, right? So if they really, really had to go and like their life depended on it, maybe they could get you know, 16, 17 with it. So I want to be training pretty close to failure, even though I'm using high rep ranges. And that's one of the keys when we start using higher rep ranges for hypertrophy. We want to train to close near uh, near fear, failure. So we have one down here. We have 25 on the other end of the spectrum in terms of reps. Now, really anything under, you know, that I guess that three rep range, you know, one, two reps, that's really a lot of neural stress because you're, you're obviously going to be above in the high 80%, low 90%. Um, your, your stress to fatigue ratio, meaning how much stress you produce in the muscle and the, and the, and the uh, systems that can help promote muscle growth, and the fatigue, meaning how much fatigue you get, the bones, ligaments, joints, the neural systems. We want to make sure we're not having uh, you know moderate stress because that high heavy, heavy, heavy loading, you don't get a lot of actual intramuscular stress and damage. You just kind of get general stress and a lot of stress elsewhere, but you get a lot of fatigue. So you can't do that every day, right? So you're having moderate stress, high fatigue. That's not necessarily a great recipe for building muscle mass and size. So we try to find things that have high stress, moderate to low fatigue, because then we can not be fatigued all the time. We can train and recover and do things properly. And that's the key to muscle growth. So when we're looking at specifically trying to gain muscle, not just express maximal strength, heavy, heavy, heavy lifting in terms of that, like, you know, we're above 90%, we're training to near failure with those heavy, heavy loads probably is not the best option if you're solely out to gain muscle mass. Now, that's why I typically, when I do a lot of like strength hypertrophy work where I'm trying to get some hypertrophy gains, but I'm also trying to set the foundation for a strength block, right? So maybe I'm doing like an eight week or a 12, I'm doing 12 weeks of hypertrophy training. The last nine, 10 and 11 and 12th week of that, maybe I'm training my main compound movements in like that four to six rep range, right? I'm, I'm starting to kind of fuse and bridge the gap between doing like sets of six to eight with back squats and now doing you know, fours and sixes, then I might start touching threes and fives to allow myself to kind of have a seamless transition. So when I go into my strength phase, I'm now kind of prepare the nervous system to be able to start handling, you know, sets of two sets of three and, and to not have so much of an abrupt change in my programming. Um, so that's kind of how I'll use my three to five rep range. So I typically reserve that only for a lot of my strength and compound movements. So that'd be like my bench, my squat, my overhead press, uh, my deadlift. I don't really train deadlift, a side note here, much higher than like five reps, um, unless it's like a stiff leg or an RDL. Um, and that's really for our perch feet purposes. Um, just because, you know, doing high volume 
heavy deadlifts, uh, a lot of stress and a lot of fatigue, right? So check, we got stress, but we got a shit ton of fatigue. Might not be the best, right? Because then if you're going into after that and your back's blown up and then you're trying to do bent over rows and you're trying to do back squats, everything else is going to kind of get destroyed because the deadlift is such an amazing exercise, uh, but it's a double-edged sword. So that's how I use a three to five rep range. Um, most of the stuff that I like to do when I perch feet and kind of in that fusion gap, that hybrid gap that I like to live in most of the time is my five to eight rep range. Um, so how I might do that is I might do like a back squat, a pause back squat, you know, working five to eight, nice controlled. And I want to find a weight where say my first say it's 315, say I get seven, my first set, the next set, you know, maybe I get six, next set I get five. If that fourth set, if I can get five, then I'm good. And I might, since I'm in that five to eight rep range, I might stay with 315 the next week and I'll do, you know, try and get eight, seven, seven, six, right? To where the majority of my stuff's towards the upper end. Once I do that, I might go 320 or 325. And then I kind of, my numbers will fall back down and that's all progress. And, and it kind of offers you some daily variability that you can get in there and train. Now, the biggest thing with, with doing that type of approach where we're doing your rep ranges and we're trying to kind of hit a, a cluster within there. Obviously, we, you don't want to train a failure every set. So your first set, you might have, you know, two reps in reserve and it might feel like, yeah, I probably could have got nine, but I'm going to stop at seven or eight. And then obviously, as you progress throughout your sets, you're going to get more tired where your last set, whoa, I maybe had one good left one in the tank and maybe got five to six. We just don't want to be blowing ourselves up every week. So I like to say, you know, typically I leave like two to three reps in reserve on my first hard set. Um, that kind of dictates the workout in the first week, second week, maybe two reps, third week, one rep in reserve. And when I start kind of finding where I can't really progress anymore, or I'm just kind of beating myself up, I'll then kind of bring the intensity down, give myself a deload, maybe change out the exercise. And if you do this properly, it doesn't have to be every four weeks. You can really do this. Uh, I've, I've gotten, I'm in right now, what am I week? Look at my program here. I'm week, in, I'm week eight and I haven't really deloaded yet because I was very conservative in my approach, right? And just allowing myself to train. So that's obviously much more hypertrophy based, um, but if you program properly and you can monitor yourself, be very progressive with it, but not too aggressive with your progressions, you actually might not have to deload very often as you may think if you're in this hypertrophy cycle. The next range I like to stay, so that was five to eight. Uh, another range I really like to do for a lot of like my accessory, so that five to eight was much more my compound. That was all, again, all my compound lifts, um, you know, like RDL, stiff legs for hamstrings, um, for chest, like incline bench or flat bench uh, with a barbell or some like bar, um, you know, uh, back squat, front squat. Um, I will say with front squat, typically if I want my quads, I don't use the front squat that much um, because... It's much more positional like limiting. So I like doing that with, um, if I do have like a safety bar squat, I can shift load onto my quads without having to like worry about my front rack. Um, I like doing Smith machine squats, uh, like foot forward. I can really overload that knee dominant. Uh, I like back squats, high bar, uh, heel elevated back squats. So those are a lot of my quad dominance. And then my back work, pull-ups and bent rows, kind of in that five to eight rep range. When I move out of that, I go then go to like my eight to 12 rep range, but I actually like kind of eight to 15 is my happy spot um, because I'm, I can kind of get my higher uh, rep work in and then 
you know, if I do a set of say leg presses and it's at, you know, four place each side and I'm in my first week and I'm saying I'm going to leave two in the tank, I might get 13 and it's like, whoa, that's heavy. If I do four sets of that, right, I might by the four set begin eight, nine. So I, and I'm, and I'm able to train that big spectrum or able to kind of train some of the fibers that with a higher amount of volume in the 12 to 15 range. But then by the end of it, I'm also training the eight to 12 range uh, just because I'm starting to fatigue out and I'm able to drive that. So I really like that eight to eight to 15 rep range for most of my accessories. Um, a lot of my machine work, I love doing that. Um, I don't necessarily train that a lot for like heavy compound lifts, uh, you know, such as the RDL or uh, like bent over rows sometimes, just because I find other muscle groups start to limit and get fatigued out quicker. Um, so that's like in the RDL, I really like hitting that five day rep range. And then if I want to get more hamstring love, I'll take it over and I might do some machine work, right? Um, maybe like a, a lying curl, a hamstring curl really drive it that way. Uh, so that's how I would use the eight to 15 rep range. Sometimes I even will do like a 10 to 15 kind of depending, but that's kind of that, that main range. And then the last range I really like, and this is more like uh, metabolite work. So I'm really just trying to build up a shit ton of uh, like lactic acid fatigue in that muscle and just, and just really get that, that muscle growth and that pump. Um, and to help with that size and that volume. So I find this to be really good to do with like single joint exercises, um, meaning like leg extensions, hamstring curls, bicep curls, and like tricep work. Um, I think that uh, when I do like the 15, you know, to 25 rep range, um, you know, it's a really big rep range, but you can really train pretty close to failure. Uh, you can get pretty localized fatigue in that muscle and really just burn that thing up. And it's a great way to uh, not only drive blood into the muscle and, and get some pretty localized specific training damage, um, but also not tear yourself up with other things, right? Like if you're doing like 15 to 25 reps on a back squat, right? And your goal was to do quads. Well, I'd argue you could probably do like unilateral 15 to 20 reps or like you know, a machine base where you're just focusing on that knee extension instead of loading your back up for four sets of 25 with back squats. And now you put, you know, 135, 225 on your back and now you're blown up. So that's kind of how you can use machines and how you can use high rep ranges to, again, get high stress and low systemic fatigue, right? Because everything has a cost. So if you're, you know, doing back squats because you want to blow your quads up, you can only do so many back squats because then your back's going to get blown up, right? Especially for more advanced lifters. So that's how I can use these things. Um, so then just to recap, I like the three to five rep range uh, or even I'll kind of go like three to six rep range uh, for most of my heavy compounds if I'm progressing right before a strength cycle. Now, if I'm more just in a general uh, you know, base muscle building cycle, I typically don't go less than five reps. Um, so I typically live in that five to eight range and I really like kind of playing in that. And that's typically what I do for most of my, uh, heavy compounds. So my squats, any type of squat other than maybe front squat. Um, I do do front squats. I like to do them at three to five only cause it has specificity to my weightlifting or like light front squats don't necessarily benefit me too much at this point. I need to be doing heavier front squats, uh, relative to my clean and jerk. But the front squat is a great, uh, you know, quadricep builder 
However, uh, for stronger lifters, it just might be a lot of stress on other things and they might be limited by their back strength or their core strength. And if they're really just trying to blow up their quads, you know, maybe they could, you know, start with that, do a front squat in that range or a back squat, and then do a little more accessory work, maybe like a leg press or a split squat and hit that next range, which I really love to live in for most of my stuff, which is the eight to 15. And sometimes I might make it eight to 10 or eight to 12 playing in that range. Sometimes I might force a lifter to be 10 to 15 because they like to lift too heavy and I kind of shove them towards the other end, but I kind of play in that eight to 15 rep range. And then lastly, I'll typically do like one movement uh, per muscle group per week. Um, you know, so back to the quads, say it's a leg extension uh, and I'll pick, you know, three or four sets where I'm getting like 15 to 25 reps uh, of something, or maybe it's a bicep curl really focused or tricep push down. And I like to kind of play games with that one. So I will pick a weight. I'll start with a weight that I, it's near my 25 rep or 20 rep max, right? So it's, it, it's max. And when I say max, I don't mean like shitty form. I mean, still good form, still feeling only the tricep I'm doing a push down, you know, and you're really burning up. If I can get, you know, a weight where I fall within that 20, 25 rep range on that first set, I'm going to say, Hey, today I'm going to do 70 total reps. Next week I'll do 80 total reps. The week after I'll do 90 and then I'll deload. I'm going to use this weight. So that's hundred pounds. Say I get 23 and I'm gassed out. Then I'll rest like 10 to 15 seconds, 10 to 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds max. And I'll get another set. Maybe I get 17 and now I'm at 40 total reps. Well, now I have 30 reps left and maybe then I rest another 20 seconds. I get 12 reps, right? And I'm just chipping away at my number and I'm using very short uh, rest intervals, which is basically a rest pause, which we're going to talk about how to use techniques like that uh, to kind of spruce up your training. So that's how I'll use that highest rep range. But again, it's, it's very, I, I don't do it a lot. Um, I maybe once a week with a single joint exercise, you know, and, and I'll do it uh, primarily like if I find arms do well with it, the delts do well with it. Um, my back gets, usually gets a lot of loading already. So I don't really do that with back. Um, I don't do that with chest a lot, just to the chest, you know, get a lot of pressing already. Uh, I do it with quads. Um, like I said, I really like that with like leg extensions. Um, and then hamstrings, I do do it with hamstrings every now and then, but it has a tendency to really rough you up. So again, um, that's understanding, you know, the stress, the fatigue, if you can't walk properly after doing that, and it's an impact in your next weeks of training or your next workout for lower body, then maybe you should cut that back because, you know, obviously it's trying to find that balance. Um, so that, again, that is kind of how I use my rep ranges in a general, we remember that all of this is living in the hypertrophy ranges or that hypertrophy strength range. But once we go into a strength block or a pre-competition block, all this kind of changes because our emphasis now isn't on building as much muscle and mass. It's about taking the new muscle and mass that we just got and making it more uh, optimized to be able to express force and force production and have uh, output uh, of strength. And that's really much more like a skill, a neural skill uh, and, and adaptations that happen not necessarily uh, just muscle growth. So I just want to be crystal clear on that. Um, but you still can use some of these, a lot of these accessory uh, training tips. That's kind of how I'll keep my accessories in when I do strength blocks. Um, and then obviously I fade them out as I get closer to competition or when intensities get much higher because I have to have more recovery. Um, so real quick, um, before we go into the next spot, I just want to make sure you guys, um, if you guys are listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, go down, make sure you subscribe to this, uh, leave me a review. Um, it really is helpful to just get that going. 
Uh, I also put a lot of great content out on my YouTube. Uh, it's been growing. So J2Fit YouTube, you can check that out. And then on Instagram is probably where I'm the most active. Uh, Mike J. Dewar. That's my dog. Um, so Mike J. Dewar, you can get there. And uh, yeah, let's get back to it. So what we have left, I'm looking over here, really about my five top advanced, I'll call them advanced, but beginners can do this too. Uh, training protocols for extending a little bit more muscle growth in your program without having to like totally overhaul, overhaul the program or beat yourself up. Um, because remember muscle growth, we want to have it, you know, a very, uh, again, stressful environment, monitoring how much fatigue we have. We don't want to have too much fatigue because it will rise over the course of the program. Once it kind of gets to a certain point, you have high stress, high fatigue, something's got to give, typically drop them both down. But if we can have higher stress, and lower fatigue and extend the, the rate at which that fatigue starts to accumulate, we can live in a longer duration of training. And that's really what's going to be helpful for long-term results instead of, you know, high stress, super high fatigue, and you last two weeks and then you got to deload a week, right? And you do that, you know, 10 times Well, you spent 20 weeks training and 10, 10 weeks trying to recover. Whereas the other guy, right, he did, you know, 30 weeks and he went five up progressively in one down, right? Well, he just spent, you know, five more weeks hard training and only five weeks recovering. You guys both trained 30 weeks, but he obviously got a lot more work in. So slow and steady is often the case when we're trying to build muscle. Don't get too aggressive with it. Have fun with it and understand it's a process. Um, so back to the techniques. First one, uh, and it's super basic, and this is kind of what I'll do a lot after I start kind of a new block. So I like doing like RM based work to dictate other sets. So for example, let's say I uh, have a leg day today and I'm starting out with, uh, you know, I've done my back squats, you know, kind of maybe they're uh, eccentric back squats and I want four sets of, uh, of six to eight reps, right? And I'm just kind of hitting some moderate volume in there. I mean, moderate intensity, just kind of going by feel. Now, then I go to leg press and a leg press is really, I really want to drive up the intensity and really specifically attack the quads. And I really love the eight to 15 rep range. So what I might do is I might say, Hey, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do a, a 12 rep max on this leg press, right? So I'm using a weight where I can get 12 with technical precision. So still slow under control all the way down, all the way up. I'm not banging. I'm using momentum. And I probably have about one to two reps in the tank, right? Because typically when I use a lot of these RM-based work, I'm not going to true failure. Uh, so, you know, if it was true failure, maybe I could actually get 15. But technical failure, say I get 12 or 13 reps. Check. Got it. Then what I say is, okay, so I have four sets. The first set is a 12 rep max at maybe, a, you know, two reps in reserve. And then three more sets at that same weight of eight to 10 rep range, of eight to 10, right? And that's simply what's going to happen. So if I feel really good, say I hit, you know, six plates on each side. Well, now I have to do three more sets with six plates, but just like sets of eight instead of maxing out. Right. And you can use that to really kind of, if you walk into a day and you feel like, uh, like crap or vice versa, you feel amazing. You can kind of customize that based on how your day's going and, and it's some variability in your training. Uh, and it can really match kind of where you're at instead of trying to chase a number like, Hey, I have to do this because I did this last week or this percentage um, and that's kind of why I like it because you're chasing, you know, the pump 
And the goal of the exercise is to get those quads burning out, not how much you can do. So that's typically what I'll do. Another ex- experiment I'll do with it is like bench press. Like I'll do flat bench and I'll say, okay, I'm going to do uh, an eight RM. And then I'm going to do three more sets with the same weight to near failure. Right? So say I get eight at 225. Then I get seven at 225, five at 225, and five at 225. Well, I just got four high quality, high stressful sets. Not a lot of fatigue because it's, you know, it's bench press. Um, four sets within that five-day rep range. And that's how I would use that. And that's kind of one of my jams that I do with a lot of compound lifts. Now, my next one that I like, uh, drop sets. Um, actually, I do this a lot in my basement. I use this a lot during COVID um, because I only had select amount of, of weight um you know so what this is is i typically for general recommendations i like to say to choose a weight where you can get you know eight to twelve repetitions with good technique to near failure right so say i'm doing a curl dumbbell curl and i got you know 35s and i'm doing perfect technique i'm feeling that bicep and about nine nine to ten reps they just feel like they're going to explode perfect right I put the weights down and then if you have access to a bunch of different weights or you can take weight off, that's great. I typically like to drop weight off. Like I'll take like half the weight off, right? Like 30 to 50% off. And I will do another set to failure, hoping to at least match the same, right? So say I, you know, I'm doing 35s. I drop down at home. I only had 15. So I actually made a bigger drop and I got a little more reps than eight to nine. Uh, I actually think I was getting about 10 to 12. So my, my total set right, was actually two sets because it was a drop set. So I had, a, you know, 35s for, you know, nine and then 15s for like 10. So it was 19 total reps. But instead of just doing, you know, one set of 19 with lightweight, I was able to kind of load the whole a bigger spectrum, right? So I was hitting muscle fibers in that heavier rep range of that, you know, eight to 10 range. And then I was also extending the set and getting more metabolic, and uh, not metabolic, metabolite damage. Right. So I'm kind of hitting that other metabolite range at the same time. Uh, and that's a great like muscle building. I really like doing that again for like machine based work, uh, more isolation based work. Not a huge fan for doing it for like the big, big compound lifts, like back squats or deadlifts, um, just because it's again, it's very stressful and it can be very fatiguing if it's used with the wrong exercises. Um, but, you know, like machine based work is great for that. Again, isolation, single joint work, unilateral work, you could do that too. Um, you just don't want to be doing that with like, you know, Delos in 405 for, you know, five and then dropping down to 315 and do another 10 reps, right? It's just, that's a shit ton of volume. Um, so that's how I use drop sets. Uh, we talked about how we use the heavy RMs with our back offs. And then another one is rest pauses. So this is kind of like a... Um, Kind of like a fusion thing that I'll do here. So when I do a rest pause, basically, essentially a rest pause is say you do a bench press, right? And you get sets of six, you get like 225 for six and you're near failure, but you rack it and you maybe got one or two left in your tank. Instead of just stopping there, what you could do is say, okay, I got six there. I rack it, count the 10 in your head, 10 seconds, right? Typically people's count a little slower. So that's going to give you about 10 to 15 seconds to quickly kind of let the the ATP recover in those energy systems. And then you're going to unrack the same weight. You're going to get a couple more. And typically I like to call those like my, you call it like a drop set to 50% or whatever, but it's really a rest pause. A drop set's kind of like that, but a drop set's immediately into it, right? And it's, and it's with a lighter weight. 
a rest pause is the same weight, but maybe you get like a 10 to 20 second rest. So say you do 25 for six, boom, you rack it, count to 10, unrack it, and it's going to feel heavier than, than, than anything you felt, right? When you're maybe going to get two to three, two to four reps, and that would be one set. Um, and I like doing that with like heavier compound work. Um, you know, you can also do it with machine work too. You know, you just want to pick a, the initial weight that you pick is important because if it's too light, you know, you shouldn't be able to get like eight your first set, do another uh, a quick rest pause and get eight again, right? Typically, you can get about half the reps if you're doing it properly. And that tells you you're really stressing. You're creating high stress, but you're also not creating a bunch of fatigue like in other surrounding areas uh, because your volume is still kind of low uh, and you don't have to do as many total sets to get that same stressful environment. Um, which is great because you can monitor fatigue. So that's another one I like to use. And then uh, last one, I guess really two, but supersetting really I would say is it's kind of a normal thing most people do. Um, about supersetting, so I used to superset a bunch of things, right? I used to be like, okay, today's chest and back. I'm going to bench press and I'm going to superset with rows. And what I was finding was if I start with a bench press, great, bench press would get hit. The rows would always just kind of get – a little less love, right? Because I was just kind of tired from the bench press, or I'd be trying to focus so much on going back and forth, back and forth, burning fat, trying to do that, because that's what they tell you, that my sets just became kind of sloppy. So as much as I love supersets, I think they're time efficient. Um, I do think that sometimes we have to be selective about what we're supersetting with. If you're really focusing on muscle growth and you know, you're moving some weight, you need that recovery between sets. I really like doing straight sets, right? So instead of doing like, you know, heavy bench presses doing a drop set and then going over and doing bent over rows, I might just sit there and do my drop set on bench, do it there, take my rest period, and then do my bent over rows afterwards. Just because bent over rows, at least for me, when you do them properly, they're very stressful when you're done with it. Like you just want to sit down. Um, so I think it's important to understand that we can use supersets, but if you're supersetting like back squats with bench press and all this, like you're probably uh, missing out on just good quality sets of back squat and then finish them and then go to good quality sets of bench press, right? Supersets can quickly turn into a, uh, a super circuit where people are just moving, right? And they're moving weights. They're feeling tired. They're feeling exhaustive, but the stress isn't actually really high in the muscle. They're just super fatigued, right? So just be, be aware of, uh, of when supersets can turn into super circuits and they don't actually have high uh, muscle stress. They just have a lot of stress and fatigue to the body. And then, you know, the stress fatigue ratio is actually inverse of what we want. Um, so I'm actually a pretty big fan during these phases of doing straight sets, you know, not supersetting a lot. Um, now I might do like pairing things up. Like I might, you know, you know, I don't know, usually with my accessory, I'll do that. So say I do like, you know, curls and, you know, or, or like back, I'll do it with back. I'll do like lat pull downs. Right. And then I might, you know, since I'm there, do my tricep push downs, stuff like that. But typically, or like in warm ups, I'll do like, pairings just to kind of for time purposes uh, so that's how you can use supersets but the last one that i want to talk about was uh it's called like reverse which is kind of like my rms it's like reverse pyramid it's kind of like my rm basis where i'll work up to something heavy and then i'll come back down uh, a regular pyramid would be like you start a lightweight you do 10 reps right and then you go up a little higher you do 10 to 8 reps go up a little higher you do you know 8 to 6 reps and you're just going up, right? But the whole time you're kind of, you're in a pre-fatigued state. So you're actually, you know, where you end, you actually could end higher if you were not fatigued. 
Um, and you know, there is some, there is some benefit to that. I think it's great for like people with, with injury or trying to reintroduce, like we can get a lot of good quality, low, low intensity volume in to really build that basis up. But again, with, um, it's where it can kind of turn into the negative or inverse of what we want, right? If we're trying to get, you know, a compound movement, heavy stress, um, you know, and not a lot of fatigue, well, we don't want to approach heavy sets of six to eight reps uh, and have all that fatigue. And now we're, you know, we're just starting our first set, first work set, we're already tired um, because your output's going to be very low. So, and your fatigue very high. So that's kind of a pyramid set. You can use that as you like. I like reverse pyramid sets where obviously I'm still warming up, but my goal is to get to that that first rep or that first work set, maybe that six to eight rep range on a back squat, maybe that's 315 without accumulating much of a T. So I'm not doing six to eight reps all the way up. I might do like five at 135, you know, three at 225, and then ones until I get to my weight and then I open up, right? I do my sets there and then I actually will come back down. So maybe do two sets of six to eight at 315, getting some muscle, starting to feel it. Then I'm going to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to do eight to 10. And because I'm kind of already falling off of 315, I might then uh, go down to 295 and do eight to 10. And then maybe I drop down to 275 so I can hit the same rep range. And I do that. One last little disclaimer about using these. Um, I would not try to use all these in the same program, right? I think that each of these have, have merit and they have benefit and they could be super impactful in your training. Uh, but if you start throwing a bunch of shit at, at once, right? Again, you probably have a lot of stress, but you might also have a lot of fatigue, right? And it's just going to be a lot of chaos going on. So variability in a training program is important, but not as important as I think most people think. And, and I say that as if you want to, you know, I typically, when I look at a muscle group, I try to pick, you know, three to four, maybe five exercises that I'll use in that training cycle. Two to three of them being compound, one to two being either unilateral, machine-based, or uh, a single joint. And that's kind of what I'll roll with, right? Um, So making sure that you're not doing too much in one program, understanding that if you play all your cards in the first four weeks, well, what are you going to play in the next 48 weeks, right? So understand you have time, put the work in, Make sure that you're not, uh, you know, doing too much and you can really monitor that. I also like just to shout out to uh, Renaissance Periodization, back to the diet app. They have like a hypertrophy hub is what they call it. You can just Google um, RP strength hypertrophy guide. It's probably the best way to do it. And you can look up muscle groups. And this is kind of my, my format. They also have a great book out there. They put everything from the website in a book and you can get that on the ebook and you can even use the code J2FIT and save on that. But they give you norms of like ranges, right? So when we look at like growing bigger quads, we can't just like murder them with like 25 sets a week, which what you'll see in most programs if you go to like pick a, a program up off like a bodybuilding, uh, you know, like program because, well, um, recovery might not be so much of an issue there because there's other things going on. But in most people, right, we maybe want to live in that like 13 to 18 total volume rep range, right? So how do you divvy that up? right? You have to have a systematic approach and you can use these techniques, these rep ranges to do that at certain times, but understand you can't just throw the kitchen sink at your training in the first month. Um, so that was just kind of a disclaimer of how to use these things because I do see that a lot with people. Uh, I've even fallen into that. You hear this, you get excited, you want to do everything. Uh, just be smart with it. Be patient with it. Pick like one or two things, uh, understand your rep ranges, set a program up, 
and then just see what, what works, what clicks with you. Everyone's a little different. Um, so again, guys, I hope this was helpful for you guys. Uh, let me know if you have any questions. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram at Mike J. Dewar. Share this with a friend. Uh, hit me up on YouTube. That's also where I'll put this video out there. So uh, once again, guys, get after it. Um, yeah, let's get after it. It's, uh, it's bulking season. Let's do it.